Hey, well, okay. Another dope episode of Sir Mindsets. Extra special. Um, this guy is actually a relative of mine, cousin through my dad's side. So didn't actually met him quite recently. Didn't, didn't know him growing up and, uh, you know, found out he was a, an attorney. And if you want to check out his cool stuff and videos, uh, it's an RVS law firm and on social media is it's Filipino attorney, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted, so, to, be, uh, I wanted to make sure people knew. People couldn't get it confused, you know. You know, but I, I realized that a lot of like the the names and stuff is interesting because I used to use my own name and use like other like creative names, and then like I realized that the ones that you know they don't have to ask me like what do you do for a living. That was one of the first things that people would ask me. So I'm like I'm I'm gonna cut through that. I'm just gonna name myself Filipino. That's that's. I mean, uh, there's a lot of Filipino attorneys out there, right? Like did. Um... Did you just uh, get lucky and have that, I guess, username available? Or like, did, did there, was there work that went into like, getting that out? I, I, I guess I, I didn't have to arm wrestle, uh, you know, Filipinos to get the name. <laughs> I bet. Well, Jim, you know, thanks again for coming on the, the podcast here. I just wanted to hear, like, I guess from you, if you could, I mean, introduce yourself and in, 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 I don't want to say it, just a business context, but like maybe a personal context too, like, you know, where you grew up and um, yeah, all that stuff. How related. <laughs> so first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on your, on your show. I, I spent last night and watched like five straight episodes. I, uh, I really enjoy the show. It's very candid and real and a lot of truth. So it's, it's nice, nice content. I like the concept. So my name is Jim Narvios, Jim Bank Narvios. My mother's actual last name is Bank, and that's the maiden name, and that's what they gave to me. Uh, standard Filipino tradition of giving your child your mother's last name and your father's last name all together. So Jim Bank Narvios. I was uh, born in 1986, raised in the Philippines, born in Dallas, Texas. Parents sent me to the Philippines, so that way... Uh, my mother could pursue her career as a physician. Uh, and it was tough, you know, whenever they came here to make the sacrifices that they needed uh, to in order to possibly give their family a better uh, opportunity here in America. And I'm grateful for it. And today I get to reap those benefits. So shout out to my mom and dad, Jesse and Ida. Um, that's how we're actually related. We're related because my dad's middle name, which is his mother's last name, is Gonzalez. And okay. So that's how we're related through that um, that angle of the family, and it's been an honor and privilege to connect with my cousin here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. My my dad was telling me, uh, Dan, you have like this cool cousin. He's trying to become a mayor in somewhere in Texas, and I was like, oh, I didn't even really, I never knew that until that moment. So that was funny. I mean, it's always so fascinating how we don't know all of our family members, and we don't know who we would get along with, and. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you and I are just vibe on the same wavelength, and we speak the same language, and we're interested in, in the same things like startup mindsets and entrepreneurship, and and uh, and developing successful businesses and what it takes to do that, right? And so it's cool because like, we've never met in our lives, but we we would have been reading the same books and interested sure. in the same things, you know what I mean? So that's how it all started and my parents sent me to the philippines um i was raised over there you grew up in uh cebu or manila or yeah cebu, cebu city philippines in banawa and um i had an opportunity to to spend the formative years of my beginnings 
there and I learned how to speak the language. I still speak the language fluently, speak Visaya, Cebuano fluently. Um, then I came over here, um, Brooklyn, New York is where my, my parents decided to make a home. Um, and then your, your dad, he was a pilot or no? No, no, he wasn't a pilot. Uh -uh. My, he my was? Mother, yeah, yeah. My, my mother was a physician and my father, he worked uh, in security. Okay. I know, I know, uh, where we have that one relative in the Philippines who's like one of the major judges, right? Back in the. That, that, that was their brother. Um, their brother was actually a pilot. That was Tito Dennis. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. That rings well. Their father is uh, uh, Judge, Judge Jesus, Jesus Narvios, who's their father. Did you ever meet him, by the way? I met him when I was young, young, young. I don't, I don't remember much about him. I don't remember even if. Yeah, he was yeah. <laughs> but. I hear stories about him, and a lot of times, you know, my family would always compare me to him. So I guess it's an honor to be compared to uh, to your grandfather, who left such a legacy that it permeated down to me. Right? It's it's fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad would say that he could he memorized the whole the whole law book. So yeah, I don't know. The whole criminal book. Everybody had these stories about him, and ironically, criminal law was my my best. A subject I was top of my class in that one. You there? Okay, just cut up a little bit. Oh, okay. I, I did well. I did well in law school, and uh, the funny story is, is I didn't go into law school until I was a little bit older. I actually was out of school for ten years. Um, really? I pursued a career as a hip hop artist and motivational. Speaker. Oh yeah, that's right. You were telling me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I made a living out of that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I got to travel the world. I met thousands of people and through that whole experience it just built me and uh prepared me to where i am today and it's amazing how like orchestrated it is and you know i'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in destiny and and fate and uh and how your life is no mistake and everything you go through you grow through and eventually it will make sense like i mean there were days in my life where i felt like it was absolutely no sense i felt lost i felt like uh i had no direction and then surely, but surely it just, it just showed up and uh, it manifested itself into a, into a beautiful career that I thoroughly enjoy. And I'm grateful for every time I wake up and uh, it just made sense one day, but just had to keep, keep the faith and keep the, the right mindsets, you know, every single day. It's like bathing. You got to do it every day or else you get the stinking thinking, you know? Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you like uh, 10 years before or you were out of school uh, you know, a long time before you decided to go to law school and try to become a lawyer. And, you know, becoming a lawyer is actually one of the hardest professions, at least to the public, where it's like, oh, man, there's so much uh, that needs to be done and passing the really high, highly regarded bar exam and, you know, the LSAT and getting good grades and all that stuff. Like, what uh, what inspired you to, to start that just early beginnings of trying to become a, an attorney when you were being a rapper. And yeah, yeah. So uh, being a hip-hop artist, I, I love, you know, three things. I love words, um, the power of words, you know, the ability to create, you know, with your words. I love the community. I love people. I love, you know, the different people and meeting different people and learning different things. I lived off of this concept called meet, learn, do. You meet some someone new, you learn something new, and then you go do something new. <laughs> it increases the quality of your life. And then I love, I love culture, and I love justice. You know, like 
just I didn't like bullies. I, I always was the type of person that would always just side with the person getting bullied and, and represent people just naturally, you know, uh -huh. being an attorney. And I, and I didn't become an attorney for a long time because I felt the pressures of like family telling me you need to be an attorney. And I kind of like rebelled and I'm like, look, I'm going to be a hip hop artist. And they're like, what? what? How are you going to make a living off that? And I made it a goal to like achieve the dream. And I had to learn business. I had to learn how to make a living out of becoming a hip hop artist. And I now know that because I was able to make a living off of hip hop, then it's like, I can make a living off of anything. If I can sell hip hop music, you know, in a saturated market that's dominated by um, other individuals who are superior in skill and like have the backing and I can make a living off of that and carve myself a lane there that I'm like, I can make it anywhere. Right. And so to answer your question, that's a great question. You know, um, because of those three things that I love, words, community, culture, justice, or things right there, I, um, I traveled, I met different people, I saw the injustices of the world. And when I would perform, Dan, I would wear suits all the time. And like that right there? <laughs> on stage and I'll be performing and um, people would come up to me after the show and they would tell me their problems. Because a lot of my lyrics were always about overcoming challenges and sure. Uh, and like life and like, you know, empowering the community and fight the system and don't, don't, you know, that kind of stuff. I was very like, um, I guess, law of attraction style rapper. I, that's what I called myself was like, a, I was a law of attraction rapper. I would talk about how to like transform things, transformative rap. And then the music in itself transformed me because it was like mantras that I was like speaking into my mind and recording and then like, spitting it out to the crowd and I felt like it was I was embodying it and then it became I created right so with that being said I heard their problems they would come to me and be like hey my cousin did this or uh -huh. our sister's in this situation and I'm like yo like I, I'm a hip-hop artist like I'm on stage I can't really do much for you sure if you need canned goods water diapers I can go get you these resources because I was always working with this city right and so uh, in the city of Houston or yeah, Brooklyn? Oh, Houston. Yeah, this is all Houston. Fast forward. Brooklyn, I, I didn't do any of this in Brooklyn. This all became and transpired while I was in Houston. Yeah. But hit my hip hop roots came from from New York. You know, so I, I learned all of that over there. You know, I, I loved hip hop. I loved breakdancing, graffiti and beatbox. Sure. Yeah. yeah and the battle and that kind of thing. I was, that's all, like I said, orchestrated to develop and prepare me to become a lawyer, a litigator, a trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, to answer your question, people were coming up to me and I kind of had my hands tied. I couldn't, I couldn't solve their problems that I wanted to. And then I would refer it out to, you know, other attorneys and those attorneys would be very gracious and they, you know, treat me well. They, you know, take me out to eat. You know, they'd always be very happy and nice to me. And I'm just like, uh -huh. <laughs> so nice to me, you know? And, and then I realized that uh, the profession was um, not only uh, fulfilling in a, in a sense of con contributions to the community and being able to help people with their, their legal issues, but it was a monetarily uh, satisfying uh, career. Yeah. It was a good business model. It was a good business model. And so after assessing that, I met my wife. That was another um, big pillar of the reasons why I went to become an attorney because I was traveling so much and I realized that I can't travel as much as I want to now that I want to build a family. Um, 
I want to, uh, to, to have some more stability within my home, my home city. Um, and I want to stay put because I had traveled for so many years. And where, where were you traveling to? Just like in the U.S. or, like, or Texas? Or? No, all over the world. So I traveled to you know, Turkey, Puerto Rico, China, Japan, Thailand, Philippines. And you were rapping or you were just? Touring and performing, yeah. No way, dude. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I learned how to leverage my experiences in America. And I noticed that people in other countries, if you just connect the two and leverage it, I noticed that people over there would take a, a fascination to your, um, your business model, to what you served and how you served and how you showed up. And I yeah. have you know, organizations and be like, hey, this is what I do in America. And they, they like that. They're like, oh, this is an Amer American artist, something fresh, something new they can introduce to their <laughs> their resort or their nightclub or their, you know, their, their venue, you know, or their brand, you know, like I, I made a lot of, I made a lot of uh, hip hop music. I, I call myself the gift rapper. And what I was doing is I was creating brand like ambassador type of songs, jingles. I would make jingles. Mm. And so I had the opportunity of making a jingle for like Samsung mobile for all the festivals in the city of Houston, different festivals. I did a, wow some headphones you know like these different things i made jingles and then people's birthdays and you know uh people's retirements people mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Lose people i would make songs for them what, what was your uh rap was did you have a rap name or like an alias or yeah rocco steady sorry what was that rocco steady rocco steady 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 oh cool 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 Steady. But yeah, I met my wife and then I wanted to be stable. And then I, uh, one day I was on the phone with AT&T for like 15 hours and she made fun of me because I got, you know, I got her out of the contract and negotiated money back. And she was like, yeah, I, uh, all, right, all right, attorney Narvios. Okay. And I was like, why does that sound like it's supposed to be? Well, long behold, it was already in my subconscious mind. And I, I went ahead and pulled the trigger and you know, it was a, a difficult journey to get into law school. The grace of God, he opened doors for me. And sure. uh, the, the right people, you know, supported me. And um, law school was a joy. I had a blast in law school. You went to, uh, was it Thurgood Marshall? Is that in Houston or somewhere? In Thurgood Marshall School of Law, yeah. What, uh, what was that like? What's the experience over there? Just, I've never been out there. It was, it, was awesome. it was awesome. It was a great school to... Um, to learn, um, it, it, Thurgood Marshall breeds a lot of trial attorneys. Uh, I, I say they breed a lot of scrappers, people that like like to to be creative and, mm. and like get down and like really like work on a case, you know, not be too comfortable. The, the school yeah. was the school, school was good, man. The, the basis of the school is to protect it, improve it, and pass it on. That's the slogan of it. It's an HBCU school, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a great opportunity for, for me, for them to give me an opportunity to, to be a part of their institution and, and learn the law. But I love Thurgood Marshall. He's uh, one of my, my spirit uh, leaders that I lean on whenever I'm thinking about the law. He's one of the reasons why we have the opportunity to even go to law school. So, you know, and he married a Filipino lady, you know, so I, I, I know he got down. Did not know that. <laughs> Um, and in law school, right? That's like a two-year, two-year thing at minimum, and then 
Uh, law school is a, a three-year program, and you can finish in, um, you know, depends on how hard you go and how fast you want to finish, but you can take an expedited path and finish about two and a half years. And then you just had to pass the bar and get your JD, and you're essentially licensed to practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, um, you get your JD first whenever you graduate, and then you, you could take the bar. You can actually take the bar with 86 hours. You're required to have 90 hours. But 86 hours will give you uh, the authority to be to be able to take the bar and you take the bar. And, and now it's cool because you have a UBE bar, which is a, a universal bar exam, which allows you to practice in, I think, 40 plus states. Yeah, so, so you could you could practice in California or like Arizona if you uh, it, de had... it depends if, uh, if you all subscribe to the UBE. Oh, OK. No, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think, you know, law is a really essential to our everyday lives and then if you know you need legal representation or you want to actually make sure you're not getting wronged by someone you, you do need a lawyer to, to fight for you so that's that's crazy how uh we don't notice it as much i guess just if you're not around the profession but uh it's all it's always it's it's everywhere <laughs> just kind of like the invisible invisible uh hand or whatever well, you know, you go to law school, you get your JD. I know a lot of lawyers, they join other firms, right? Was that something you did? And then, you know, did you join a, another, like somebody else's firm or? No, no, no. Uh, right off, um, after finishing the bar exam, uh, my wife and I, we went office shopping and we created the LLC and, you know, we hit the ball running and we created the Nargos Law Firm. Did, did you feel like you needed to, I guess, just as a, as a lawyer, did you feel like you needed to be in a law firm? Because isn't, isn't, um, is that the, mo the majority of new lawyers do? They, they try to join someone else's? Yeah, a lot of people would do that. That is a standard like, type of practice where people would go work for another law firm for a few years and that kind of thing. And then eventually, if they wanted to transition to owning their own firm, they will. Um, but we just did things a little differently. We decided together that, you know, there was going to be, this was going to be the most uh, beneficial path. And it, and it has been, you know, it's uh -huh. been extremely rewarding. I just knew, uh, Dan, that, you know, um, throughout the course of the last 20 years, I've amassed, you know, so many relationships and I've built so many, you know, connections with people and, and yeah, I've been I've been really consistent with the way I showed up in the community, and and I mean I work really hard, and because of that I I have a network that's huge, and I knew that if I were to enter into anybody's firm, they wouldn't understand or value. That wow. Came with me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I just was wondering because uh uh I I you know I know you could be an ind independent lawyer, right? But you don't need necessarily need to make your own law firm, do you? Some people could just. Well, you do. Also do. I mean, it depends on how you set up your business, right? Okay. You know, with startup mindsets, you could you, you could get a you know uh, doing business as you can get a LLC, you can get a PLLC, uh -huh. you can get a S corp. I mean, it just depends on how you want to. Set okay. Up. So I mean, you could do it doing business as, but I don't I don't recommend that because right. it protect you from any kind of liability. And with our field, we. We have to definitely be mindful of how we set up our business so that way you know yeah for sure yeah, yeah. i guess like in law school do they teach you about how to do this yourself like 
make your own law firm and grow it and successfully manage like marketing or any aspect of a business, like, you know, your books or all these other things, right? Like, do they teach you that or is it something you have to learn on your own? No, they don't. They, they don't teach you any of the marketing or the business elements or how to file taxes. Or, you know, uh, they don't teach you any of that. But, you know, some teachers will drop golden nuggets and gems here and there. But overall, you won't get that in law school. Um, I would say that this comes from my background doing business as like the being a rapper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being a rapper. Like I had to, you know function as a business and um if i didn't then i wouldn't be able to eat and so i had to have expenses i had to invest i had to market i had to you know uh, trial and error yeah. and i and i've met people such as yourself or people that you interview on your wonderful show right so i would ask these questions i would mastermind with these guys and i was really uncomfortable at one point because i was like hey i don't know anything about this stuff so i would go to successful people and sure I would treat them out to coffee and I'd be like, look, man, I know that you feel me. You've been where I've been before. And I just really want to learn something. So can I treat you out to a cup of coffee? And can I like kind of pick your brain on how you became a successful business owner? And slowly but surely I developed these like kind of like a list of things that I learned from these individuals. And and I would read I'd voraciously read these books like sure. Rich and you know, these uh these different personal development. I love personal development. And so as you know, throughout the years, that's how I developed it. I implemented, I applied, I tried it, I failed, but I failed forward. And then I kept learning, kept learning. And so in law school, I knew like a lot of, a lot of law school students, they don't start marketing until they become a lawyer. I knew that I was going to become a lawyer. So I spent the time that I was in law school marketing that I will become a lawyer. You can kind of like, okay. you can train um, the community. You can train, you can train the way they perceive you yeah. in the direction that you're going, you know, your branding. So I would, you know, I would take pictures in the courthouse. I would, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, I would um, take pictures by the books. I would talk about justice. I would, you know, talk about the things that were fascinating to me that I learned in school. I'd be like, Hey, I learned this in school today. And it was consistent for a good two years. And so by the time I became an attorney, when I announced that I became an attorney, people were like, oh, I, I know that you were doing that. You know, like, yeah. it wasn't like I was rapper over here for, you know, and then just disappeared for two years. And all of a sudden I became a lawyer. Then I got to spend two years to, to, to make people aware right. of a lawyer. But right. I had already made them aware that, hey, this is what I'm sharpening my sword for. Mm-hmm. So once I got the the Hattori Hanzo Ginsu sword out here, you know, y- y'all holler at me, you know, like, like work with me. And so it's been, it's been a good time afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think, um, as like we were talking to each other, like a couple of weeks ago or months ago, you were telling me like the struggles of running your own business, right? Cause it's not the same. And being a lawyer is also, I'm pretty sure it's got a lot of weight on your shoulders at the same time. I mean, how, how, I guess just how would you, Compare and contrast both of those responsibilities of uh, just being a lawyer and you know serving the common common public, and also the responsibility of like growing your own law firm at the same time. Because those are two different responsibilities, right? Where you're like, yeah, yeah. you know, one time you're in court, the other time you're you're 
trying to be in an office and look up and create a lot of business in terms of people paying you to right, right. Yeah, to, you to wear the multiple hats you know until you can hire somebody and duplicate yourself and delegate the, the responsibility you know so i wear both hats you know i um you know it's a it, it is at times very uh stressful it's uh, i'm not gonna lie to you you know like it's uh it's it is stressful but i'm blessed to be stressed like sure i just gotta have you know um you know the right support system i've got a, a beautiful wife who who supports me i uh i do certain things of self-care to make sure that i stay grounded and and i'm able to like rejuvenate myself and replenish uh my energy and stay healthy staying healthy is number one you know attorneys are probably some of the most unhealthy, you know, uh, individuals because of all the stress and mm. other coping mechanisms, alcoholic, alcoholism is a big deal here, drug use. Um, and so I, I told myself before I became a lawyer, I wrote it down in my vision board. I said, look, man, you know, I don't want to fall into any of that. And I, I, I told myself, I want to be the healthiest lawyer and the happiest lawyer alive. You know, like, like, I want people to look at me and be like, man, I can't believe he's a lawyer because he's just so happy. So I, That's crazy. I wanted to develop my brand like that. I wanted people to see that I strive to, to implement these habits and these things that I put into my life. So that way I am um, in my top shape and my tops, my best version of myself to represent them. And so, um, yeah, man, you wear both hats. You wear both hats. And. And, uh, and I, I have a business coach. I collaborate with people. I have masterminds. I, wow. I, I make sure that um, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm constantly being challenged, constantly uncomfortable with the next step on how to implement something that might be more efficient and effective. And so um, as far as the law is concerned, that's the same thing. I surround myself with a group of seasoned attorneys and I reached out to them, develop relationships with them, add value to their lives, refer business, share business. Um, sure. You know, whatever I'm strong at, they need help with marketing. I connect them with the right individuals to do marketing. I help them if they need anything. Yeah, just, yeah. At the same time, they're going to help me with whatever I need as far as become being an efficient and effective attorney, right? Like if I need to file something, I, I, I can, you know, go to them and, and see if I'm doing it appropriately, or if um if I have like an idea that I'm kind of mulling over, I just call them up, we'll hang out, talk it over for like thirty minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then just I'll figure it out, right? So it's about creating a, a collective, a, a consortment of individuals who will support you. And and if you can't do it, your books, there's books all over the place that will do it. Um, but wearing both hats that's the number one thing because you're absolutely right when you're an entrepreneur you're an entrepreneur you're a business person sure when you're a lawyer being a lawyer is completely different than being a business owner i mean filing the paperwork you know getting your inventory like make sure that your office is stopped paying the bills accounting uh the market it's a lot of stuff and usually people have the opportunity to have someone on staff that's designated to do that, but we're in the startup mindset. Yeah. Oh, show y'all, you know, we starting up and we got to do, yeah. you know, you got to do everything that you can to be able to, uh, to move forward. And then eventually I'll be able to, you know, increase my staff. I, I currently have a staff of four people. And so they all help. It's been, you know, 
Uh-huh. They've been very essential into in my my success and being able to um, to create more business and to be able to handle all the business. But like, man, I would really I have a dream of having twenty five people. You know, like wow, twenty five. Yeah, I was just gonna get into like, what is your big picture? Up, you know, let's fill it up and let's serve more people. You know, delegate and serve more people. Yeah. Just wondering, like, as a lawyer, how do you get new clients to? you know, choose you? Because, you know, there's so many attorneys out there, I imagine. Is it the court system just happens to send five new cases and they're like, do you want to take this? Look at the, look at the, no, the briefs? No, no, I, I don't work for the, uh, I don't work for the courts. So I'm not a court-appointed attorney. I'm uh, strictly independent. So all okay. this comes through marketing, word of mouth, referrals. Um, it's all that. It's just all that. And like, I guess... The reputation that I've garnered throughout the you know the years, uh, people now have somebody to refer to, and then you got to stay on top of your marketing because you're competing against people that are spending a hundred thousand dollars a month. Sure. Uh, you know, on advertising, uh, radio, TV, billboards, and and we're we're over here guerrilla marketing, you know, guerrilla marketing, and and using social media to our benefit and using the the relationships that we've built. And, uh, and, and, you know, like, I, I don't need the whole pie, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm in my own lane and, and, uh, and I throw, yeah. my, I throw my, my uh, marketing out there and, and whoever uh, gravitates towards, I guess, your vibe will attract your tribe. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I always say, you know, like, I don't want everybody, you know, like, <laughs> I can't possibly, you know, handle it. And I would be um, ineffective. I would be very ineffective trying to serve everybody. But my ideal clients, the people that are attracted to my firm, that that trust um, my work and, and and the reputation that I have, and and um, and give us the pleasure and, and honor of serving them, I'm gonna work hard for them, and uh, and I trust that that hard work will allow them to uh, to refer other people. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. It's, it seems like it's uh, really just organic and starts from one person and spreads the next. I just want to hear like, you know, when you were doing like your first, it was your first time stepping in a court in front of a judge and representing someone like, and going against another lawyer, I'm guessing, right? Who's also having, you know, the objective of either this guy's guilty, this guy's not guilty, or let's get the best case scenario. You're, you're arg- I'm sure you're arguing or debating in a very, you know, high level. Uh, it could be intense or, you know, you know, high stakes environment man <laughs> i've seen the shows i've seen you know i guess better call saul and i guess my dad was uh in a law firm and i talked to some of the people there and it just seems like you, you know i i didn't i mean i got i never really did jury duty i, I got out of it and i was in a lock and i was in a courtroom and i was like yeah this guy's life is in this guy could go to prison even he deserves it or not like what is it like just being in front of a judge and fighting for someone or fighting for you know your own outcome and dealing with the, the struggles or the, the hurdles and I guess the curveballs in, in a courtroom. I mean, you just, you, you have to prepare, you know, preparation is the number one key to, to success because confidence is created by competence, right? So I, I, I would prepare, I over prepare um, and I embody my case. Like, I have to 100% inevitably believe in my angle and the way that I uh, represent the individual. And 
whenever I go in there like that, I also have to be prepared for any changes. Uh, so you have to be quick on your feet. You have to be malleable enough to, to be able to be like, okay, th that, that changed right there. Where can I, you know, maneuver and strategize? And so you have to, you know, one thing that they say in law school is you have to learn how to think like a lawyer. And so that's the number one thing that they teach you. It's not necessarily the substance of things that you're learning in the elements of the law, but it's more like, how are you thinking? How are you analyzing the situation? And so to answer your question, it, it's, uh, it's like being on stage, you know, like technical, Improv, I guess. <laughs> technical difficulties can happen, you know, like the mic can stop working. The speakers can have too much feedback. The DJ may get mad. Someone might throw something at you. Like, these are all things that are possibilities. It might start raining, but you have to like know how to maneuver through this in order to get the most favorable result for your client. And it's all strategy. And if, as long as you have an angle and you embody it and you're confident and you're respectful, because that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother part of the whole situation is that you have to maintain respect with the judge. You have to maintain respect with the jury, respect with the opposing counsel or even the defendant or opposing uh, parties. But at the end of the day, respect doesn't mean um, like weakness or being soft. You have to still exert some level of strength and assertiveness so that way they understand that we mean business when we step, step up in there, you know. Uh, and it, it is a very competitive sport. It's a contact sport. It's, a, it's adversarial, com combative. It's, but I, I enjoy it. I enjoy um, being able to yeah, I'm a big fan of like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, MMA, <laughs> uh, Dragon Ball Z. Like I love all that stuff. So it's just like growing up, I, I see the, the value in competitiveness. And, and I, I definitely. Um, yeah, I think that the courtroom is just another venue. It's just another stage. It's just another platform of a uh, of being able to intelligently, uh, logically maneuver and uh and battle rap somebody right? sure sure wow exactly i mean i could see it now you know uh you know I, I was a battle rapper for over 10 years you know litigating is i mean we would be this far apart from each other like spitting on each other's faces you could get violent too right if you say that yeah, so. and like there's groups of people you have no clue what's going on you got to be quick on your feet and so this is just like battle rapping but with um with substance of the law you know yeah, you know, Jim, I think it's such a, like a refreshing, I guess, perspective to hear like what it's like in your end. And I know like uh, lawyers, they, they seem to be pretty, pretty black and white people, right? Like, you know, kind of like, you know. I mean, it's, it's the it's this traditional like expectation. It's a traditional expectation of of how, especially if you work for somebody, right? Like you can't have an unconventional employee like come in there because they're kind of unpredictable right so they don't like they don't like a unpredictable unconventional attorney to hire because they don't know what they're going to get but okay. they want somebody that'd be black and white because it's kind of like okay like like we know what to expect this is our expectations here at this law firm yeah you know, that kind of thing but owning your own business you get a chance to yeah really like uh enjoy that that's one of the benefits i believe when you own your own business is that and when you intend on owning your business for the long term not just like i'm going to start my business and then i may go back to doing something else when you, when you i guess were a lawyer or when you were in law school did you think 
that you were going to do this, right? Like you were going to create your own firm or? Yes, yes. I, uh, it was always a vision? Every day I was always like visualizing it. You know, I would buy the furniture. My house looked like a law firm in the house because I like had all these old <laughs> furniture was in the house, you know? And my wife was like, man, it's cluttered in here with all this furniture. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, man, this is going to be for our firm. I'm just. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know? How long have you been a lawyer for? Or seven? Almost a year now. Really? So this, you're not even under, it's not even been a year? In June, it'll be a year. Wow. And you've served like hundreds of clients in between? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane, man. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it'd be just cool to hear, like, I see the, the videos you make on TikTok, man, pretty dope. Like, um, what made you want to, you know, start TikTok and associate it with the, the law firm? Because I think, you know, um, looking for outside in, uh, lawyers, I can't picture a lawyer being on TikTok just since um, they kind of lack this, I don't want to, like, the stereotype, right, for lawyers kind of like, super professional and doesn't have a, I won't say has a life, but doesn't know how to be wacky or just, you know, market themselves like that with a selfie video, you know? <laughs> I get your point. Well, the thing is, is I, I have like years of selfie video experience. Like it's like, I, I made, I made selfie videos for a long time and I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with the camera because I've done it so long. I used to have hair and my hair used to be all messy and, Nine times I sure. my shirt would be off and I'd make these little videos about like life, <laughs> you know, like, I'd be like this, I was thinking about life, y'all, this way, I think it, and I made those videos for a long time and it helped from <laughs> like any like fears of like being judged or like, should I be like perfect on camera? You know what I mean? Like, these are all thoughts that, that kind of like get in the way of people making selfie videos because they've kind of like, you know, maybe I should get a haircut first or maybe I should, you know, dress up. First. But like, I, I did this for so long that I got so used to it. Um, and so now it's just second nature for me to make a, a, a selfie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> just re repurposing it from TikTok to Instagram to Facebook, just repurposing it. I think that there's a, there's an audience there and there's an audience here and somebody might see it and you, you never know one case might come from that. And, and I, I enjoy mm. TikTok platform. I really like the way that they've set up the, the app um, yeah. in the way that it's easy to create content. <laughs> and I think that the people on TikTok are extremely entertaining. Do you, do you edit it all on uh, the phone or do you also like go to a computer or do you pay somebody else? Or what's a... All on the phone, yeah. Uh, that's insane, man. No. It's easy, yeah. It's easy. It's and I just started, so I, the ball is just rolling. I have maybe like 12 videos or something like that, but I... Uh, it's easy and the more I do it, it's easier. And I realized that once again, these are tools for me to kind of sharpen my mind on who I want to become, right? Like, like I, I like to celebrate, you know, um, the, the wins. I like to showcase the lifestyle and, and let people know like, this is where my office is. This is oh, cool. what I do on a daily basis and that kind of thing. Kind of let them in on my life because I want them to know who, I, who they're working with. I don't want them to just know that I'm a lawyer. I want them to know that I'm a family man. Oh, okay, gotcha. About like, you know, uh, certain things, my hobbies, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and, and I always tell people, I'm like, because they're, they're like, why should we hire you opposed to the other person? I'm like, well, if you hire me, you're going to get a rapper as a lawyer. Like, 
Like, you, like I don't know how, like I have 25 years of experience on a microphone speaking in front of 20,000 people. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I think that that's a, that's an incredible asset to your case, you know? That's so funny, man. No, that's, that's amazing. Um, just uh, one thing, like I want to know, like is uh, when you looking for office space do you, do you have to take a loan from the bank to get that done or like no no you, i mean here we don't um so i wouldn't assume anywhere else you know at, in in the u.s uh commercial i mean for for me my experience um all you have to do is find you know your ideal office space um see if it's within your budget meaning yeah do a realistic assessment of your of what you are to earn, not what you would like to earn, but what you would believe that it would be your income. And then um, negotiate. See, the uh, thing is, you can negotiate with commercial properties and say, hey, um, I'm opening up. I would like to commit to three or five years. Wow. Are you willing to give me three, five months for free? Oh, okay. So it gives you the first, they can load it up in the front and they call it prorating, right? So yeah. they can load it up in the front five months for free and that'll give you five months of a cushion as a startup company to not pay rent and use that money somewhere else and then generate enough income so that whenever you do cross the five month mark, you can now comfortably pay. But, you know, it also gives you an opportunity to make a commitment for a, for a certain amount of time. And I think that I think three to five years is not so much of a daunting commitment uh, for somebody that that is serious about their business, you know. Right. Um, I just one last, one one last thing before we get into like the end of the, the show here is like when you when you have to like accept payments from people, um, is that a? It sounds like a arduous thing to do, like you know, with just this is somebody's life, and whether the case goes right or wrong, like you charge this or that, like. And you're trying to also sell yourself and also get them to sign the contract, right? right. Do you feel like you're using your negotiation skills or, or are you just trying to let the client guide that? But at the same time, you need the money from them because that's a, how the business will only function. Like, uh, what do you find yourself doing in those scenarios or you have to get them to sign? It's, um, it's very similar to your earlier question regarding, you know, how how do you feel to go into a courtroom? You know, um, I listen to the client. I ask the, the right questions. I make sure that I understand their case from their perspective and from the facts that they're giving to me. And from there, if I believe in their case, then I know I'm gonna put in the work for them. And so because I understand the, the willingness to commit to the cause, yeah. I, I believe that I'm adding value to their life. Um, because I'm setting aside time, valuable time that I could be using to work on somebody else's case. When I take one person's case, it means that I have to say no to somebody else. Okay. Um, unless it's a personal injury case where we have a department here in my firm that handles that. And it, <laughs> it, goes, through, it goes through an actual process of allowing the client to heal first before we then handle the case legally. Um, and so that's primarily where our focus is currently in the growth and uh, scale yeah. part of our business is that we focus on personal injury cases. And then I personally, as an attorney and my interest and passion for the law, I personally take on cases that I find to be uh, worthy of, um, not to say that the ones yeah. that deny aren't worthy, but 
the ones I take most interest in and most yeah. belief in. And so it's not difficult for me to to ask for what a respectful rate would be. Okay. Um, I don't overcharge clients. I just ask for what's respectful. And then I ask them, what is uh, what is your budget? What is something that you're working with? Okay. If it works out, I'm not I'm not hesitant to be able to meet them where they are in order to find uh, to create a solution for them. But at the end of the day, you know, we are a business, and uh, I do not lowball my my value or my worth. Yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not um I'm not hesitant to to deny a, a client that's willing to to lowball me and disrespect our firm. I'm yeah. No, that's such a big big uh that's such a big deal. You know, like getting getting them to agree to have you be the lawyer and pay you at the same time is something that's uh i mean it happens in any business where they need you to, where you're selling or offering a service or a product and, and somebody wants it but there's always that negotiation or that conversation so interesting to hear your take once again it's you know our industry is based on reputation so like nine times out of ten, when somebody's coming to me, they have heard about me from somebody else that I wow. that I did good work for, or I did good work for their community, and that person's referring me because of the good work that I did with their community. So, you know, they do the selling for me. Like this, like to to answer your question, negotiation is an an inevitable part of the sales process. Right. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's important for an entrepreneur to understand their worth and the value that they're adding to people's lives. And if they don't believe in the value that they're adding in people's lives, then inevitably they're going to have difficulty asking for what they deserve. It's a self-worth kind of thing, you know, like you have to build the self-worth and understand like your value. Artists deal with it all the time. I understand. I was an artist for 20 years. There was a time in my life where I performed shows for 50 bucks. Other times I performed for like for food for food and then there are other times i did shows for 10 10 grand you know what i mean so I, 10 grand Jim, man you're, you're you're one of my most impressive cousins not gonna lie so i mean like it, it's it's life man life is about understanding and cultivating thyself so you can grow and understand your value and and like once once you understand your value you won't you won't allow other people to disrespect it by lowballing you because it's gonna take some time you know and and money is just a currency it's yeah. just an exchange of energy it's like th that's how i view it it's like if i'm putting in my energy then we are exchanging energy here because sure. this is what i'm going to work hard for and um and like i said people have already recommended me and referred me so they're walking into the office um with the expectation of already doing business with me in fact they, they say things like if you're willing to take my case or uh -huh. if, if it's yeah. possible are you willing to you know work on my case and, and that's really cool because it shows that they they respect uh, my time sure and, uh, and and my and my uh, my my ability is your 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 yeah your, everything like that you know that one meme uh dan where they say you're not paying for that one person's like like you're not paying for the person to perform on stage you're paying for like the the 28 years that they practiced or you're paying. Oh, okay. Okay. You ever, you ever heard that one little thing that they, or, or they say like, sounds, uh, sounds familiar. you're not paying for, um, for just that's this one session you're paying for the, the three years of, of like the hundreds of thousands of dollars invested into the education that somebody pushed through. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Kind of yeah. Things. I've seen those memes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 
I mean, I mean exactly. Just get get an opportunity to have a lawyer that's been on stage for over 25 years and gone through law school and, and has an understanding of, of people and, and uh, the ways of things. The law and the jury. Yeah, I mean, the justice system for sure. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. A lot of like basic like things that people forget, like as a business person, is like, it's just we're in the people business. Yeah. And if, and if we forget that people are people, then we over talk them, we don't listen to them. Like, you know, nine times out of 10, when you're when you're dealing with a client, all you have to do is listen to them and then repeat what they're saying, because they just want they just want to know that you heard them. And as long right. as you're genuinely listening, and you're in taking everything that they're saying, then, then you're possibly going to get the client because you now understand them and they feel like they can trust you. Because you listen to them like i'm saying really listen to them and feel them like what are they uh-huh. doing and then uh, and then when you when you feel them then you just got this like this amazing energy that you get to harness while you're working on the case like while i'm working on the case i swear i have like these these like images of my clients like their pain while i'm working on the case I'm just, okay like, fuel, fuels me you know yeah you you do uh I, I saw well, what, what kind of law are you do again? It's just criminal law, or is it uh, personal injury? Personal injuries, like a car accident or like a yeah, yeah, random yeah. accident or something. Medical malpractice, wrongful deaths, slip and falls. Uh, wow. Police brutality. You know, like these these things where people wow. are unjustly hurt, and uh, it wasn't their fault. It was somebody else's negligence or intentional act. I think I think one one or two more things here, Jim, before we go to the ending of the show. But just something like I'm kind of curious, like, where do you think you found the courage, not only to be a lawyer, but like get on the stage and perform in front of a couple thousand people? Or where do you think you get the courage to do that? Just since uh... failure, failure. Um, there failure? Was a time of life, yeah, failure. There was a time in my life where I was terrified to get on stage, and um, I froze up in a couple of uh, speeches that I gave. Um, in fact, I was in a in a drama class and then I had to do a monologue and I froze up and I was so sad. And, and then I told myself, man, that is your calling right there. Go, go after what you're terrified of. And what, like, cause, cause I was terrified. I felt like, like, you know, and I realized, I learned that I wasn't the only one that was terrified of it. Like I learned yeah. that the number one fear in, in human beings is public speaking. Like they, they fear, <laughs> Public speaking before death, before uh, snakes, before like any like. Why, do you know? Do you ever like ask yourself why that is? I mean, I think me. I have a podcast, right? And I used to suck at this. I used to hardly be able to listen to myself speak. But I think I just have a deep uh, yearning to to learn about business or learn about people's stories and communicate that to the to the whole world. Um, I think take some time. Because you ask great questions and you have a very calm. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> you ask great questions, even when like I mean, whoever's watching this, Dan doesn't have to be in front of a, a Zoom or do his show on the phone. He asks good questions. Oh man, Jim, it runs in the family, Jim. <laughs> Natural gift of yours is to ask good questions, and it makes people feel special, and it makes people like feel connected to you, and. Sure. To answer your question, failure is what motivated my desire to be on stage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I heard that it was the most, the, the, the number one fear that people have. So I said, I'm going to be the best speaker ever. Like, I'm just going to 
be in front of so many people that I have to like inevitably get better. And wow. that's that what I did. And that's all. I mean, I would speak at uh, homeless shelters, senior <laughs> citizen homes, prisons. Dan, it didn't matter. If there was a crowd, I, I would go to the mosque and speak to the Muslim. <laughs> I'd go speak at the Buddhist monk. That's the way it is. I would just go speak wherever, I could, wherever there was a crowd. Yeah. I would speak. But then I had to ask myself, how are they going to let me speak? And so I had to create um, a brand and like right. a message on how like everybody wants to hear encouraging words. And, and I knew that in order for me to keep moving forward in my life, I had to keep encouraging myself. So that's why I got into the law of attraction and got into like personal development, manifestation, visualization. <laughs> that's crazy. And so like I would create content for myself. And then as a result, I would just, share it with the world as i started to like embody it as i started to like enjoy it and and i felt like it was a cool message i want yeah. to share it with y'all so I yeah, yeah. yeah and so I, then I, I started performing everywhere and started you know talking everywhere and got over my fears and so your sometimes your trials and tribulations um your failures sure maybe just the very thing that inspires you to to become right? man that's that's amazing um no, seriously, amazing, man. Uh, last couple of things here is, I guess we're just going to ask you some quick rapid questions. So what is uh, a favorite movie or favorite TV show you have? Man, um, favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what genre, man? I'm such a movie head. Oh, man, just like, um, I mean, I guess not maybe favorite movie. Like, what's a movie you really like that you saw recently or something or? In general, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Asian gangster movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like Bruce Lee or something, or no, like Jackie Chan. No, like, like you know those Asian gangster movies where they're like, you know, running around shooting up stuff, and you know, like it's, I I I don't I don't know why I like. Uh -huh. Asian yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies. My dad probably liked those too. Fascination with the way the cinematics are like created. I like the the cars. I like the fashion and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I love um, you know that uh, that that movie about Serena Williams. And oh, King Richard, yeah, that one. That was a good movie. Um, yeah, I want to ask her. Yeah, yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of movies. I in particularly I like I like more foreign films. Uh huh. So I watch a lot of Indian foreign. There's a movie called Advocate um, about an Indian lawyer. That's a is it Bollywood or what was that? It's a it's a, from a an area called uh, Tamil. Tamil. Okay. It's a, yeah, it's a Tamil movie. It's awesome. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. I saw that. Um, shows, man, I'm a big fan of... Um, let's see. I haven't kept up with a lot of the new ones, but I'm a big fan of, like, you know, comedy, man. I like, like, the Waynes Brothers. And okay. Like, or, like, Martin, you know? Like, I'm a big, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those <laughs> old school comedy head, yeah. Man, I, ju I just started watching, uh, or I finished Bel Air, you know, Fresh Princes. Like, oh, Fresh Prince, yeah. Um, I, they made a new new uh, series called Bel Air, and it's more dramatized, or it's just a dramatization of Fresh Prince, but that's a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, next one here is like, what is, uh, what are some books you, you know, you, uh, you put in your top book list, or just one book? Think and Grow Rich. Maybe the third person said that, so I'm going to have to find that book and read it. 
Man, I'll buy it for you, man. Hey, hey just send me the copy you have it. You got to. You got to read that book, man. That book right there is amazing. It's a yeah. Napoleon Hill. I'll send you a copy, brother. And, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Atomic Habits. Have you heard of that? James Clear? No. I Somebody? Don't, I, don't, I don't remember the... the uh, that's the one of the most recent ones. I okay. Um, I like uh, all of John, John Maxwell's books. You ever, you ever heard of John Maxwell? He wrote no, is that, is that a lot? has to do with law? Or? No, the leadership books. Okay. I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. You know, like, you're talking about Robert Greene books, The 48 Laws of Power that I'm talking about? Oh no! I I just thought that might have been like in the law, like a law, common law. No, no, book. Well, the leadership book, and then I like that book, Compound Effect. You ever heard that? Oh, I heard. Yeah, that sounds that, 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 Yeah. And I like Zig Ziglar's book, Les Brown's books. See you at the top. You know all these types. Okay. Of books, all anything personal development related. I just and I I don't have a favorite in particular except uh, Thinking Grow Rich because I read that one cover to cover often. And what what was like the main lesson from that? Do you think, or what's like the best so thing? Golden nuggets in there, and every time you read it, it's like you get a, a whole new golden nugget. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The thing is, is that he interviewed. He was hired by a gentleman named Dale Carnegie uh, of U.S. Steel, so it was one of the the biggest and most affluent companies ever in that time period. And he was hired by him to interview like so many different successful people. Yeah. Just, like what you just like what you're doing. Hey, that's you're funny. <laughs> interviewing people, right? And uh, because he interviewed people, he took everything that he learned and he made a book out of it. I'm actually writing a book, so I might, might be there. Perfect. Funny guy. Well, no, that's amazing, Jim. Uh, last two things here are, um, if you were to give advice to Jim, 20-year-old self, whether you're in Brooklyn or Philippines or Texas, uh, what would you say to Jim, a 20-year-old? Man, uh, be uh, be kind to your parents. Nice. Be kind to your parents because uh, you know that I wasn't always the the best son. I was kind of a knucklehead, and I uh, gave them a couple of headaches. And as I grew older, I definitely understood what I what I. Did. Man, your parents are, they're still around, right? They're in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my um my dad's my dad's here, and my mom's here too. Yeah. Your dad's in Texas. No, my dad's in the Philippines right now. But he, back here yeah well yeah i'd love to meet your dad too like we're related so <laughs> we'll take a trip to the philippines one day yeah yeah for sure next question here is jim what would you say uh is your startup mindset if you were to put it into words what is my startup mindset yes bold and unapologetic there we go okay awesome well jim this has been crazy amazing thanks for the time again and i know that a lot of people may be looking for a lawyer or just need one in the back pocket so You'd be the guy. What? what uh, how do how do people uh, get in touch with the law firm, Narvio's law firm, of course, and I guess uh, follow you. I know it's Filipino attorney, but what else do you want to tell people? Yeah, for sure, social media platforms, Filipino attorney. Uh, the number is seven one three nine 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 law. So seven one three nine 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 five two nine. Contact my office directly, uh, and also you can go to majorcaraccidents.com. That's uh one of our primary websites. So if there's any way that we can serve, feel free to contact me. Jim, this has been great. So thanks again, man. Dan, it's been a pleasure, man.